Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast brought to you by Sickwix.ca. Sickwix candles, the absolute best candles on the market. They're awesome. Soy wax candles. They're, uh, they're not made with the same paraffin wax candles that put all those harmful chemicals into the air. They're, su- they burn super clean. Uh, your wife's gonna love them. You're gonna love them. Make the garage smell better than it already doesn't. Uh, so check that out as well. You can go to Medterra CBD and enter discount code BigMXRadio15 to save 15% of every single one of your purchases with Medterra CBD. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. I'm on all of these podcasts, but making his Big MX Radio debut. You've seen him before racing outdoors on a 450. He's an absolute pest for some of those factory superstars as they're trying to put down their fastest laps. Uh, and for the most part, he's mostly well-known for being a fantasy superstar or sometimes absolutely killing you uh, on the fantasy side of things. He's one of those guys that you can either make or break your day. But this last weekend, this guy shows up as an absolute hero. He's got a huge S on his chest underneath that chest protector because he's racing a 125 two-stroke in Supercross. I thought I was going crazy listening to the broadcast uh, as I, I could have swore I heard a 125 out there. It's got to be none other than Chris Canning. What's going on, brother? <laughs> Nothing much, man. Yeah, Daytona was fun on the 125. Everyone was going crazy. It's just it's it's a it's a it's a sound that we don't hear enough of. It's mixing gas. It's hauling ass. And when you look at the motorcycle, the simplicity of that motorcycle is like maybe the most amazing thing about it. Like you look at it, there's not a lot of electronics going on. The motor is tiny. The pipe is gnarly. It's all kinds of purple from you twisting the throttle doing that whole thing. And um, it just brings back so many great memories, especially like growing up as kids. We're always on 80s or on one, uh, 125s. Um, and, of course, that's the, the roots of the sport, right, it is is in the two strokes all the way up to uh, the early, early 2000s. Um, but... Um, <clears throat> Before we get to some ins and outs of uh, who the heck Chris Canning is, uh, why the two-stroke? Why race it at, at uh, uh, Daytona? And uh, what was the most challenging part about uh, chucking that thing around the track on a track that uh, uh, looked like you needed some horsepower out there? Yeah, I mean, the, the hardest part was just how much you actually have to shift that thing. Like, I come off... Yeah, six-gear like, transmission. You know, like you said, I yeah, I ride a 450 outdoors and stuff, so... I'm used to, you know, shifting just a couple of times, you know, in a lap. That I'm shifting, you know, three times kind of straight away. So, so uh, like that, I would say, was the hardest part. The sand, the sand swallowed me up pretty good, and it was kind of the opposite of what I thought it was going to be. Like, I thought I was going to struggle more in, like, the rhythm sections and, like, get through the sand easy. And uh, the rhythms actually ended up being really easy on it, and the sand I would lose like thirty foot. So it uh, that was probably the hardest part. But the whole idea behind it was um, I drove the kids who uh, Justin Coquinos, that's who uh, owns the bike that I rode. Okay. And uh, I beautiful bike, by the way. To, yeah, yeah, the thing's awesome, man. And uh, I drove him down to Florida. I don't know, I guess a month and a half ago, almost two months ago. And um, I didn't want to leave my bikes down there with his stuff. So um, I was like, well, let me just ride a 125 for the weekend. And we flew home. So I had a blast all weekend on it. And um, it kind of just was like, I was going fast on it. And he's a, you know, Loretta's rider and stuff. And we were battling. He was on a 350 and I was on that. And I'm like, 
dang, dude, this thing would this thing would do pretty good at Daytona. And then it kind of started as a joke. And then uh, we got home, and his dad was like, let's do it. And I'm like, all right, why not? So it kind of was just like a fun thing that uh, turned out to be pretty cool. So No doubt, my friend. I'm just looking. I had to pull up the combined times from the Saturday practices uh, in the one... In, in, I'm going to call it the 125 class for this particular podcast because it is. Uh, and, uh, like, I assume Jimmy Dakotas is, 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 was injured. I don't think he'd be in the uh, outside the top 33. But Bobby Piazza, Kevin Morans, Cody Bus- Van Buskirk, Will- Wilson Fleming, all of those guys on, like, fire-breathing... Uh, 250Fs uh, at, at, at a privateer level and you finished in like you qualified in front of all of those guys like like if, if you're on a 125 and you're beating those guys like, like if you're those guys are you just like you got a for sale sign on that thing the next morning like I as as much as it's awesome to ride a 125 <laughs> like is it like you like like if you're if you're Hunter Sales right now is the last guy that didn't make it. If he's forty first, are you just looking at that uh two fifty F thing in yourself? Maybe maybe it's time to try something else. Yeah, no, I, I don't know. I mean I yeah, I don't know. If I had a two fifty F I definitely would have finished better, but uh I'm sure there was a lot of guys that were fired up to, to have a one twenty five in front of them. One of the kids uh came up to me after the race and was telling me how hard he was trying because he didn't want to get beat by a 125 so oh yeah. yeah i'm sure everyone was fired up about it absolutely no i i i don't often do this but i actually have a relatable story because i always kept my kx 125 when i was a kid right i like my i graduated from the kx 125 to the 250f i like i'm gonna eight i'm gonna date myself here my first 250f was an 06 um, but I always kept the 125 with us when we'd go racing just because like backup bike, what have you. Right. So yep. a buddy of mine, he was riding a Honda 125. Those things are even more, uh, sad sack than the Cowie. And he, uh, pops a piston in the first moto. And, uh, my dad being as, as generous as he is and I, uh, myself as well, he's like, you know what? Ride Brad's backup bike in the second half, switch over the transponder. You can ride his bike. So the next moto, I come around on like the second or third lap to realize, Chris, I was losing to my own motorcycle. <laughs> the 125 that I had put in the shed oh, was man. sitting right in front of me and, and I had to track this thing down and I just about damn killed myself on a 250F trying to beat my own 125. That was like, it was like a dichotomy of like, this is amazing that a 125 is doing that well. And at the same time, what am I doing that I can't pass this thing? Because of course, laid down the the 250 or the 125 in favor of the 250F because that's what we did back then, right? So that's so yeah, cool yeah. to see that. Um, I'm sure you must have had like, like what, I don't, what mixing oil were you using? Please tell me Castor 927. And if that's not the case, that just is the case because that, that's the for me it's got to be caster 927 or nothing at all yeah no it was uh the spectro uh two-stroke stuff and it was uh, fair enough I think, like, okay mrxo2 mrxo2 fuel or something i mean it smelled good i can tell you that <laughs> Oof. i love it so uh let's get to the bottom of who the heck chris canning is why you're such an absolute maverick when it comes to outdoors and uh, racing a 450, as you like you said, shifting it once or twice a uh, moto. Um, like, uh, and, and where the hell are you from? Where do you train? How old are you? Let's get some particulars here. 
Uh, well, I'm from Connecticut, so uh, you know, I'm sorry to hear that. In the local, yeah, yeah, I'm ready to move out of there. But uh, yeah, so I grew up racing like NEMA, this a local series, and then uh, okay. like I lately, lately I've been doing NESC, which is a pretty uh, serious series up there. Um, but I'm 26, and I don't know, outdoors is obviously all i've ever ridden i i have my supercross license obviously but uh daytona was the first time i actually used it and i i got it back in i think 2015 maybe 2016 well, that's like and, that's pre uh, uh pre futures pre even the uh the move up points for arena cross no no that was the move up points for arena oh was cross. that the first year was, oh, okay fair enough yeah oh it was a complete shit show doing too that That's amazing. Cross. I call it. I call it arena crash, man. That stuff it is. is wild. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Forkner would have had to go through it there as well. I'm sure there's all kinds of ridiculous stories of you guys coming in to go get your points and upsetting all the like. Ty- I think was Tyler Bauer still racing arena cross at the time. Oh yeah, yeah. I have oh, a yeah. good story about it. So I, this I, is your I podcast, man. Tell first- it. <laughs> I went to the first round in Cincinnati, right, and. uh I qualified in and then I broke my wrist in the last practice. So I didn't even get to get my point or anything. And, uh, so whatever, I let my wrist heal, went back to, uh, Nebraska, ended up like, I think seventh or eighth in the main or something. So I got two points and then there was only one round, one East coast round left in, in, uh, Louisiana. So I went there, crashed out of the heat race, in the LCQ, I was like dead last gate and I, whatever, I got a bad start and then, uh, ended up coming through and I like stuffed the kid in the last berm cause they only take two. And I was like, like bobbled. And then we went over it like wheel to wheel and he ended up getting it. So I missed, I missed the main by, by literally half a wheel length. Yeah. And, inches. Uh, yeah. And I saw a message, uh, MX force people. And I'm like, well, Hey, like, you know, I, top 20 outdoors and blah 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 and i i broke my wrist you know obviously i can do good i missed it by a wheel length and i got two points at the round before it and uh they're like sorry no exception so so i uh i ended up having to drive all the way out to cali to uh and i already got home before they uh, so I'm in Connecticut. yeah of course yeah you're drive, in Connecticut. you're in bristol drive, farmington yeah drive, <laughs> drive all the way out to cali to do a, a four minute arena cross race to get my license ended up crashing went to the LTQ ended up winning that got my point whatever and then I go back to riding supercross and r- right the day before I left um, I was breaking in the race bike and I flipped over in the whoops and blew my hand apart so so that was the end of my supercross career sadness was, I guess point. 2016 so i just never uh just never ended up going back to it and uh i'm glad i did it on the 125 because it it was a lot cooler than finishing you know 12th on a on a 250 (laughs) 100% like uh especially because the 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 money in the 250 class is uh frankly uh pathetic uh especially if you're in the like later in the latter portion of the uh, lcq you barely get your money back um, but like I'm a two-stroke guy myself, and that's why there's the, the ex- some extra importance uh, to get you on this podcast. For those who don't know, 
I messaged uh, Chris back in 2018, and because I'd like to drop the ball on a regular basis, didn't get back to him, didn't have him on the podcast for racing a 450 against the greatest guys in the world, uh, but he showed up on a 125, and we were somehow able to make it happen within a couple of days. Uh, maybe I have my priorities uh, out of whack. But, um, like, I'm a two-stroke guy. I also ra- race a KTM, and I race a two-stroke for this sole reason is that I don't really take my racing that seriously anymore. I'm 32 years old. I Honestly, if I, if I start taking my racing seriously, I start missing days of work. Because, uh, Chris, I'm a bricklayer by trade, and it's very difficult to lay bricks with a, your arm in a cast. So, yeah, oh, yeah. Yes, absolutely. So I'm out there, one or two, 252-stroking it on, a, on a, a KTM, and here's how I see it. If I pass you and you're on a four-stroke, I win. If you pass me yeah. and you're on a four-stroke, you're supposed to, you're on a four stroke. So like literally either yeah, way exactly. I win. Like there's no losing yeah. with that. And then like I, 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 I do the, I do the race gas thing. Always got the, uh, um, uh, what am I using? Uh, Castro or what, what did you say? Uh, no, I use like I use Castro 927 from Maxima, but I always have, uh, uh, VP, VP, uh, um, the name is escaping me in the moment, but either way, using VP racing fuel, unbelievable smelling uh, motorcycle. It's crisp, it's snappy, it's light. I can throw it in the back of the truck, no problem. And uh, that's just the like the the amazing thing about riding a two stroke, man. Like it doesn't matter. Like you could have the most balling ass two four stroke out there that every bell whistle and port polish the whole nine yards. Everything's balanced, suspension done the whole. But as soon as a nice two stroke rolls in everyone's yeah. turning their heads nobody yeah, exactly. I, I had this conversation with swap moto uh the uh, don uh don maeda i'm like yeah it's two strokes man like the, bring them back because yeah 30 second overall you might as well, well won that thing i guarantee you got more cheers uh than eli tomek on a day like that just 125 in it that's what i love to see i went off i i'm in the lcq uh Justin uh, Kokinos was mechanicking for me, and he like yeah. wrote on the pit board on the last lap. He's like for the fans, so I'm like, and it's right before the wall jump. So I'm thinking like, oh, he must be like want to take a video of me launching this thing. So I went off the wall jump wide open and ended up quadding it, which was like <laughs> so. And like the whole, well, I'm in the air, and the whole crowd goes wild. I'm in the air, and I'm like, it was the coolest thing ever. And I'm like. That's as close as it gets for, like, the crowd cheering you on at a Supercross unless you're winning it, you know? So I was like, yeah, it was uh, it was well worth it. You know, I, I figured if, yeah. I, if I went there on a 250F and, and finished where I was, uh, where I finished, I would have been pissed off, you know? So right. I went on the 125 just going for fun and, like, whatever happens, happens. And, you know, either way, it's cool. I, I did the same thing uh, – what year was it 2017 at uh i blew my shoulder apart um in the springtime getting ready for nationals and I, like, i'm noticing a the theme ball. here chris i'm noticing a theme yeah i that was like that was the whole that whole time 2016 was full of injuries every time i got on a bike i got injured like after i blew my hand apart i can't once that healed i broke my collarbone once that healed i blew my shoulder apart so that was uh and then I started coming back for fun. So I blew my shoulder apart. I broke the ball off the top of my humerus. Like had to have that plated on shoulder Beautiful. blade, rotator stuff, the, the whole thing. So labrum, the whole nine yards. You'll yeah, you'll never yeah, skip a rope was, ever again. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. So 
they wanted me to take like a over a year off and uh nine months in they're like oh you can start riding your bicycle you know and i'm like oh so you're telling me i can ride right and they're like yep yeah you can start riding they obviously had no clue what i meant by riding so i uh <laughs> i went out and bought a two <laughs> i went out and bought a 252 stroke and uh signed up for southwick national which was three weeks after you know they said this so get my bike ready i had three hours on the bike and i showed up at southwick and i'm like well i know i can do one fast lap and then i'll just like be the cool guy riding around in a two-stroke you know what i mean so so i uh whatever i qualified in and i i go for the start obviously and i come out of the first turn in 10th and i'm like oh crap like fun's right out the window so I ended up running like I think like 12th or 13th for like 15 minutes before I like obviously got arm pumped and I was not in any shape to be riding so I faded back but I ended up top 20 in both motos like nine months off the bike so the two strokes are always no big just deal way, yeah they're always just way cooler to ride always yeah like you're every- you make all kinds of noise you don't have to be going fast to make the noise like literally like I guarantee, like, if you, you watch, like, like you, you're about, uh, are you a couple years younger than Jimmy Dakotas? Yeah, I think two years younger. Two years younger. Two years him. younger. You guys might have battled on 80s or something like that at some point. But when he did no, his... No, he was always a bike. He was always a bike ahead of me. I was like, okay. He was always the person I looked up to. Him and, like, Robbie Marshall and those guys were always, like, right that. above me. That's cool. Um, so, like, when he did his 125 edit back in 2011, you're still probably on 80s at the time. And, like, but, like, he's not, ne- like, he's, he's ripping. Like, he's the ripper. He's probably going, like, like, he's going fast. But he's not going as fast as he could on a 250F. Like, completely, oh, no, like, yeah. you know what I mean? But he's just making all kinds of noise. He's laid into the corners. Like, it was just, oh, it's so good. And yeah, like yeah, wide open on that. Those Hondas are so slow too, but they sound good. (laughs) Yeah, like they just sound so crisp, and like they got that like that they have that little bit of low end, so it sounds like there might be some power down there, even though there isn't. Um, And it's just yeah, those things sound so good, and and like I guess I swear like you could probably like resurrect a Supercross career with a 125 uh, two stroke edit. I don't know what why the the industry has uh, somehow completely ignored the, the the demands of the people by quick like slowly but surely completely going away from two strokes. Uh, but the, obviously the four stroke is the the more competitive racing machine. But uh, this humble podcaster says that uh, I'd like to see more two strokes. I'd like to know what John Short has to say about all this. Because he finished two seconds behind you in the LCQ. <laughs> he was right behind me the whole moto, too. He was right That's beautiful. You know I'm going to text him now. I need. He's a, he has a national number. He has a f- number 43 finishing behind you. That, like, he should hang his head in shame. Trying, they kept trying to go in on me before the triple because I couldn't go inside and hit it. I, I did one lap. In uh, in qualifying, I went inside and and like barely made it over the thing, like cased it just a little. So I couldn't I couldn't hit it from the inside. And those guys obviously have the the low end to get over it. So they kept just running in on me in that turn. I had to just like rail it and hope that I didn't get cleaned out. And so I got ran in on in that turn a few times. I am literally texting him a picture of the results right now. 
with a text that just says "Explain yourself." Um, That's awesome. Yeah, and but in all seriousness, I, I love this story. I love you going there for fun, having fun doing it, doing well. I might add, honestly, like based on the circumstances, you did fantastically well uh, racing the one two five. Like. Um, I don't see this happening at like an actual stadium supercross, but is there any chance of that? Obviously it's not your motorcycle. So like, like does this get like, is this like a one and done scenario or do like, could we possibly get to see this again? Like, will the next time we see you be at Hangtown on a 450? Like what's the deal? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Gillette, Gillette's nice and close and I, mean, oh, yeah. I guess we can, they're looking for a new quarterback too. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we can, uh, possibly make it happen the problem is i i haven't ridden any supercross tracks like i i literally haven't even done a lap on a supercross track in five years so uh you know i guess daytona counts but it doesn't really you know so it's like to show up at gillette and hope that i can ride it good is uh i don't know i don't know maybe we'll see okay if enough people ask me maybe Fair enough. We might have to get like a like an online petition. Maybe like a uh, could we do a could we legitimately do like a GoFundMe? Like see how much money we can put together for this or something. Oh, I don't need money put together for it. I don't want it. I don't like asking for for okay. stuff. So, uh, something I, though. I'd rather just do like maybe a, just an online like petition. Do like a post if we can get some ridiculous amount of likes on something or followers or something that would uh blow it up then then it would probably be worth it you know okay. I, I mean i'm gonna do some more outdoors this year than i did you know in years in the last couple of years so but uh so i don't need to go and get reckless on a 125 at several rounds but just like wet <laughs> or something that'd be cool yep. i'd be down to that okay okay um uh, I'm looking at this right now. You are three followers shy of of eight or like seven thousand eight hundred followers on Instagram. I don't think we should set the the bar at seven thousand eight hundred, but I think if we can get you to ten thousand followers on Instagram by Gillette, you line up. Oh man, putting me on the spot. I I, I would be down for that. I would do that. Okay. All right. Well, we're, we're going to talk. Like, this is obviously, this is on the podcast. Uh, all four of my listeners are probably going to follow you. So that's going to get you up over 700, 7,800. Um, so that's a start, but we need to see, maybe see if this thing can grab some legs and get going. Um, I think uh, a young man by the name of Tony Blazier out of, uh, uh, out of Washington might have something to say about it as well. He's, uh, he, he'd have a vested interest in seeing you do this, but that would be fantastic. But if it becomes a one and done sort of deal, that, that's just the way the cookie crumbles. I'm, I wouldn't be too hurt by it. You know what I mean? Like it's, uh, it, this is almost one of those things where you can't really just bottle it. It's just, it, it's as awesome as it is. You see it at, at Daytona and then like maybe you don't see it again for, uh, for a number of weeks or years or whatever it happens to be. But I'm glad that you did this, man. Yeah, like I said, I I, uh, I wanted to just do a Supercross because I have yet to do one, and that was obviously the most fun way to do that. So I'm glad I did it too, man. I had a blast, and everyone obviously thought it was cool, so that was a plus. And 
I mean, I just had such a good night, dude. I, like, fans were going crazy, and everything about it was just a, a positive, so. Fair enough, and at the same time, I believe you're uh, stuffing a body into the trunk of a car, um, and that's fine. Uh, but uh, um, one thing I wanted to ask you was, um, they made those whoops all kinds of peaked out for the uh, for the, the heat races, what were your thoughts when you tried to send it into those things and come to find out that they're just like all over the place? Because there wasn't a single uh, both of the the heat races for the one the two the one twenty five class um, was just carnage going in through there. Were, were you in the the heat race with with uh, Nick Gaines just going like ass over tea kettle? Yeah, yeah, and I that's had amazing. A so I ran right like into the back of the whole like group of those guys because they ended up being like six guys laying on top of each other in the whoops there and uh i i honestly just like took it easy through those the whole moto because i wasn't trying to flip over trying to look cool on a 125 so (laughs) so uh i was glad when they whatever they cut them in half or just i don't know what they did to fix them but they were way better in the lcq and you can actually like hit them but they definitely hacked them up for those heat races because even qualifying was pretty good. Like, yeah. you're able to skim them and not worry about it. Dude, we came out in that LCQ, and it was the sketchiest whoop section I've ever seen. They like built, they were like little walls, man. Like, they – some – I don't know if the back yeah. of the machine was, like, drag, like, hitting the whoop, like, while he was grooming it, and it was just like, dude, it messed them all up. That's crazy, yeah, because they, like, they obviously do usually a, a decent job, and like Carmichael went through there during opening ceremonies and about died, so uh, you know that something's up. I don't think RC has yeah. completely lost it over the years. Uh, although, like, like side note, is it not like encouraging to see that RC seems to have uh, gotten back on the workout train a little bit? He's 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 not he doesn't look like a little hamster anymore. Thinned right out, dude. I think he was just sick of everyone telling him he was chubby, you know. Could right be out. fair enough. Pure pressure does do wonders when it comes to uh, uh, to weight loss. You just bully someone enough, they uh, take it to heart and, and and change their ways. Um, but you can't what, blame them for wanting to get chubby, though. Like no, yeah, for so sure. It was like it was like it was fine that he was chubby, but you had to make a comment because he was like really chubby. You know? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't also help that he's five five. So like any weight that he puts on, he immediately just looks like a little hamster. So. Yeah. Um, is what it is. Um, do, do you still have a few minutes, or do I? Do, do you already get going? Yeah, no, you're good. Yeah, sorry. I all right, cool, man. Changing laundry. That's all good. It's all good. Hopefully, you separate your whites. Um, yeah. so w- what is it that you do during the quote unquote like when you're not racing? Obviously, like we haven't had a uh, haven't had an outdoor in a lot of year or a lot of months, uh, mind you. Obviously, you still ride the Cowie 450 a fair bit. Um. Yeah, when when you're not dialing up uh, the opportunity to just wring the neck of a one two five, um, what's Chris Canning up to these days? Uh, well, I do I teach schools. Uh, okay, like, you know motocross training schools. So mm-hmm. like February break and Christmas break and all that stuff during the winter is pretty busy for me. And then uh, you know other than that, just trying to figure out my plans, get bikes ready. I. Uh, been in florida since i guess the beginning of february and then you know did the camps and whatever and uh other than that i you know just ride and train i mean uh cycle and just basic what everyone else does i guess you know or what most of the guys do nowadays so you know i during the summertime i have 
uh, every Wednesday I do camps at, at Southwick, so I get to ride there on Wednesdays. No big deal. I bet you just slay there. I love it, dude. I love it. I love being the guy that when everyone gets to Southwick, they're like, shit, we have to race Chris this weekend. Mm. <laughs> Seriously, that's that's cool. Like you can like like I'm sure you've watched a bunch of those like Southwick races from the '90s, where like complete like unheard of's other than in the NESC uh, show up and like lead like half the race, or like they're sitting like yeah. fourth, sixth, and ninth throughout the entire moto, and like no one can do anything about it. It's just so cool. Yep, yep. Last like, year, I got, Tony Larusso and guys that. like that. You must have grown up watching Larusso. Yeah, I still watch Larusso, dude. He he went to the Vintage Day today at Daytona. That's insane. or no, yesterday Amateur Day. He went to the Amateur Day yesterday and like ended up taking both titles. He like passed Drewy in the last turn, like stuff in the last turn. And like, Tony's an animal, dude. He still he owns a track in New Hampshire that NESC races at. So I see Tony quite a bit, and he he raced. I think he raced last year. He ended up second. He finished behind me, beat the rest of, you know, all the young guys at NESC. So Tony doesn't play, man. That's wild. There's a whole whole group of vet riders up there. You got Tony, you got Treadwell. Yep. Treadhead. uh, I've met, I've, I've met him at, uh, he used to come up and race in Canada. Yeah. Oh yeah. John, Keith Johnson go. They, they all went up to, uh, Deschambeau this year. They, uh, that's right. Tread was mechanic and, Tread was mechanican, but Keith and John were up there, and they both. I think John top twenties, and Keith ended up. I think he pulled something in his leg or something, but still finished like a twenty second or something. I don't know, but yeah, those guys, dude. We have a lot of like real fast vet riders up in New England, and yeah, you, well, know, you guys just love it. Like, have... I don't think anyone loves motocross more than the vet riders up in uh, the the Northeast. Like, you guys just like. You like to you it's to you guys it's almost like hockey for us like you guys just like you never put down the sword you're always ripping it and just loving it it's cool yeah for sure if those guys show up to NESC and like pull the whole shot it'll be like a full full gate of forty expert riders and like Dowd and Keith end up first and second out of off the start and you're like what in the world <laughs> like they're just animals man I, I I don't know very many vet riders that are anywhere close to those guys you know no kidding no like there's that that is like a, a kind of an embarrassment of riches when it comes to uh some really fast vet guys and i'm sure that's a really cool for the young kids around there to look up to really cool uh um kind of uh just a, a scene to grow up racing in actually my podcast co-host is dave drakes did you do you like come across that clown oh, yeah. uh throughout yeah. uh yeah oh, what, what's I know Dave real well, yeah. Tell me your most embarrassing Dave Drake stories, other than the fact that he's the whitest black man that's ever lived. <laughs> I, I I guess I don't have any real funny stories about Dave, but I, I grew up racing with him, and he, he's always been, you know, there. Slow. Like, and, yeah, and he's he just slow. And he does, like a, like, a Harley thing now, and he does the, um, was it Collective Experience? Or, yeah. Uh, yeah, so like, I mean, I still I seen him at Daytona. And my dad was down at Daytona too, so we we're talking for a while. Man, Dave's an awesome dude. Yeah, no, I, no one can say a single bad word about Dave. Dave's uh, just wait, he's just like that salty other kind of person. That's really cool. Um, 
we got to get you up to race a Canadian national. If you're if you're a, like a, a sand monster, the way you say, like we got to get you up for either like Deschambeau, I think that's the sandy race, or yeah, like I did. Um, I, did uh, I did go for dunes, um, not yes. last year, the year before. I think I got I, I battled with Rensland, but both motos. I think I ended up like sixth or seventh, but okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, I definitely I I ended up that year that I did good at Southwick. I. Uh, I ended up having a heat stroke, so I was running seventh the whole moto until, like, I don't know, three laps to go, and I, I had a heat stroke and almost died and was, like, throwing up in my helmet and, like, no, like, had no function and ended up, luckily, everyone else got lapped, so, like, I was, I did the final lap all by myself, so I didn't <laughs> have to, like, I just had to finish the lap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because I like everyone, everyone thought I was doing like a like a parade lap, and I was literally just trying to survive. Yeah, you're and, doing uh, like a, a two minute forty five second lap time just to get like yeah. just to get to the <laughs> end. Yeah, and then uh, and then I went and raced Canada like the next weekend, so my results kind of showed a little bit. I think I, yeah, because you're I think still I dead. A redemption up there. Yeah, yeah I we need gotta, a little redemption for sure. We gotta get you up for for Gopher. You do some serious damage, man. Uh, that would be way too cool. Well, uh, this has been an awesome interview. Honestly, you, you surprised me, Chris, just like you surprised me by racing a one, two, five at Daytona. You su- surprised me in the fact that you're probably one of the better interviews that we've had on the podcast in the last number of, uh, um, months and years. Honestly, great, great conversation. Um, what's, what's next on the docket for you? Obviously you're doing the schools, you're training, you're, you're doing the thing, uh, down in, uh, um, down in Florida. Um, like when are we going to see you line up again? You like we we talked obviously about uh, maybe doing uh, Gillette, but that's sort of like an if and or maybe uh, sort of deal. Let's talk about racing four strokes. What when when are we going to see you uh, slogging through the mud of Millville again? Uh, yeah, so I uh, I'm I'm trying to put that all together right now, but I'm I want to get to like the you know like the eight like East Coast I guess outdoors. Um, the ones in Cali are just a little too far and and. I've, I've done the whole series before, so I don't, I can say that I did that and I don't yeah. really want to spend the money to do it again. So, so I hear uh, you. I'll try to just do, do the East coast ones and that as of right now is still in the works, but that's what I want to do this year. I, I kind of, um, I'm leaning away from NESC and not because that, you know, it's not good racing or anything. Cause it's, you know, we do four 20 minute plus two motos there and like, it's always good competition, but I've kind of done everything that I can do there. I, I, uh, I, they call it a grand slam championship when you win all four pro expert championships. And I did that two years in a row and I've won pretty damn close to every moto there. So it's like, I, I'm, uh, I'm ready to do the bigger stuff again. I feel like I'm, you know, going faster than I ever have and that I should be at the pro stuff it's just it all comes down to money man it's so hard yep. to afford 100 to drive and and you know 300 dollar entry fees and you think you would make you know good money back but even when i got 11th at southwick i made like 780 is what i got paid and like it like doesn't it carpenters doesn't get anything. paid better than that yeah it's like it just <laughs> you, so so that's the biggest uh that's the biggest issue is just trying to get the money together to do it. And, and, uh, if I can, I will, I would love to do 
I would love to do all the super crosses and all the outdoors. Like to me, I, I feel like I belong at all these big races and I feel I have the speed to compete there, you know? So, uh, that's long-term, I guess that's my goal, you know, is to just be doing that full time instead. For sure. But I, I do also, uh, applaud you for the fact that at 26 years old, you understand that you don't just go racing and spend the money. There's a lot of guys who just go out and like blindly spend the money because they feel like they want to, or they feel like they should, because that's sort of chasing the, the dream a little bit. You're actually putting your skills to work by doing the schools, uh, being smart about it that race, uh, that way, racing a 125 on a whim. That's awesome too. Uh, and then also sort of kind of sticking to your core competencies to steal a business term in the fact that you uh stick to those like kind of eight nationals in and along the uh the, the eastern area of the country which yeah like when they race at uh unadilla and then the following weekend they're in uh washugal washington that's just like yeah. for for a guy who's yeah that, that, is, that is ludicrous like the teams shouldn't even do that let alone privateers that aren't making any money at it so um, yeah, if it fiscally made sense, I think you should totally do that. And I, but I also think that you shouldn't do it till it does make sense. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Cause I, when I did the full series in 2015, I spent, I lived out of my van all year. I got a hotel two nights out of the whole season because it was Good way Lord. too hot in Utah. And, uh, you know, all, I spent all my time driving. I couldn't ride. I couldn't train like, you know, like you really should be. And, uh, you know, like you said, you go from Washougal and then the following weekend is Unadilla. And it's like, I crossed the country three times and, and, you know, it's, it was just ridiculous. And I, I finally just finished paying off that year. Like I was selling everything I had and just spending the money, not paying stuff off. And it was like, it honestly was just a nightmare. So that's why I kind of went and, uh, just started having fun with it and racing NESC. I make good money at NESC. So it's, it's hard for me to walk away from that, but I also want to, uh, I want to get my ass beat, you know what I mean? In the sense where like I go to a national and I can't just like win it, you know what I mean? So yeah. to me that it gives me something to drive for and something to really want to train where NESC is like, you know, there's, there's a handful of real fast guys, but for the most part, it's just like, you know, you're out there riding around. So it's, uh, it's, I like to be challenged and, and to me, going to the nationals there's no bigger challenge you know for sure like that kind of goes back to one of the things that i sort of uh feed off of is sort of that like kind of like that like that uh power from sort of the like, quote unquote the dark side you know what i mean like that like that you get your ass handed to you and it fires you up like you you yeah, admit to yourself that you're not where you want to be and that's gonna that's gonna make you mad that's gonna piss you off and and that's what allows you to put in the work um, to go ahead and, and, and do better the, the following weekend on top of the fact that, uh, you, you guys, especially privateers, um, like factory dudes, they roll in, they never touch the motorcycle unless they're on, they're, they're on the seat. Um, they, they, they sleep in an air conditioned motorhome. Uh, this, they, they have a, a nicer sleeping arrangement during the day, let alone the night before. Uh, and the fact that you guys go out there and get it within like, uh, four or five seconds a lap, I think sometimes those guys almost need to check themselves a little bit that they should be a little bit further ahead of you guys sometimes. And the fact that I have all those things, their beck and call. Uh, but, um, yeah, that's really cool, man. I, I think that, uh, you're going about it the right way. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's definitely, yeah. uh, 
a lot of people don't get how actual hard, like how hard it is to get to all these rounds. Like they see you at a Supercross, and they, like I had people saying, like, well, why wouldn't you just ride a 250F this weekend? And I'm like, well, because it's just, it's a whole nother level of seriousness, and like they just don't get like how much it actually takes to do stuff the right way. You know, like they think it's like going to their local weekend, you know, warrior race, and it's just they have no clue. You know. Yeah, no, to- totally. Like the fact that like, you guys are sleeping in a in a, in a van the night before the biggest race, like you know what I mean. Like the 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 literally the pinnacle of motocross is the AMA series, in my opinion. And you guys are uh, lining up on uh, four or five hours of sleep in the back of a van that smells like VP racing fuel. Um, no free ads, by the way, VP. Fuck off. Um, but. Uh, in all seriousness, yeah, you guys, uh, you guys uh, have been—they've uh, been mentioned way too many times on this podcast for not paying for it. Um, but either way, um, yeah, you guys do a hell of a job, and uh, you should be rewarded for it. I think uh, there's a few different uh, programs out there that help privateers and stuff like that, but it's never enough. Um, but uh, I, I'm glad to see that you do have uh, some support out there. Uh, obviously, you've got a ton of great sponsors, things you've been working at for a long period of time. And that also goes to show how like uh, your networking and some of the relationships that you started. Because if, I've, if I'm not mistaken, uh, there's, I see a lot of the, the same names and the uh, same sponsors year to year showing up in your bikes, which, which means that you, uh, you do a good job for the people who do support you. Yeah, I try to build relationships with every company that, that helps me so that you know, obviously it's beneficial for both of us and uh you know i promote them at my schools and everything like that so i have pretty much every one of my sponsors i have cell phone numbers to the people who own it or the people that run it so to me that's that's the only way to go because it's you know if you're if you're just like getting your you know percentage off and you don't know who you're talking to or dealing with it's just i don't know it's just not the same to me for sure for sure Awesome, man. Well, uh, your, your dryer's probably going to go off soon. Uh, you switch over, uh, you can switch your loads up again soon here. Uh, but I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Uh, we'll definitely have to have you on again. Uh, if not, uh, after uh, a race that you hit, or maybe even just uh, talk, we can have you on and talk about some different riding skills. I'd love to pick your brain about uh, how, basically like sort of how the, um, the evolution of training for motocross like the things that you were taught as a kid the elbows up waiting the outside peg thing completely different than what gets talked about today people probably don't realize that whatsoever um so that'd be really cool so uh, i think we should definitely make you a repeat offender on the podcast maybe bring you on with dave drakes so we can both verbally assault him because uh, he allows for that <laughs> yes sir um for sure, absolutely. We, we definitely need to do that. Um, before I let you go, I know you have an uh, uh, impressive list of sponsors. I know you probably don't have a pit shirt or a front or a back fender sitting in front of you, but um, give give some props to the people who help you out as many as you can remember off the top of your head. And I'm sure no, everyone you forget won't be uh, won't be uh, too too pissed off. Yeah, I got uh, Pilgrim Power Sports for my bikes and everything, Mellow Designs for graphics, uh, Traction MX Seats, ZR Throttles, uh, Evans Coolin, uh, Loud Fuel Co., Recluse, um, Southwick, Spectro, uh, FXRs, the gear I wear, 60 Helmets, Factory Connection, um, 100%, uh, my mechanic, John Adamy, 
uh, Justin and uh, his dad for letting me ride the 125. I mean, this wouldn't even have happened without them. So uh, just everybody, every, they, they know who they are, and I, I appreciate all of them. For sure, man. Given the love, and that that list is only growing, my friend. You're uh, you're a great interview. Anyway, you hears this might be dialing you up to to offer their support. Um, if you're not already following, what's the what's the Instagram again? Can is it just Canning? Yeah, Canning three seven six three seventy six in your program, and because you're out of one twenty five, number one in your hearts. Chris Canning on the Big MX Radio podcast. Give that guy a follow. Like I said, he's three followers away from uh, from hitting that uh, that milestone of seven thousand eight hundred. And uh, he already said he he already committed that if he gets to ten thousand before Gillette, he'll be racing it um, on a one two five. That was a confirmed, absolute one hundred percent guarantee from Chris Canning. Yep. Uh, just gonna put some words in Good his well. mouth. <laughs> and, uh, and, and it'll and happen just... if I get to ten thousand, I'll do it. I can make that promise. All right, cool, man. Well, I appreciate that. You have yourself a fantastic rest of your evening. Make sure you fold all of your laundry appropriately, and we'll chat again too soon. Soon, sometime. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Cool, man. Don't hang up just yet. But for podcast sake, we're gonna cut it off right there.